welcome to the Agile Empath Podcast Season 5, Organizational Culture. We've heard culture eats strategy for breakfast, hire for culture fit. What does that mean? Welcome to our four-part season. We have a newsletter paid and um, you can subscribe for free with archived content for life coaching curriculum. Um, I also have some books for purchase and online classes, and you will see where you can find this online course with the full slide deck and resources. My name is Alexia Georgiou. I'm a life coach and consultant, and we are here today to talk about culture strategy with change management. Have you noticed there's a lot of change happening in our world, in our everyday lives? Uh, we are talking about a new normal. What does that look like? And the projections for change with just artificial intelligence until the year 2030 is a Immense. We're really not hearing about that. So change is constant is what we have heard. And now it's become a reality in our lives. So how do we manage this? It's through culture. Uh, two and a half years ago, I started my own business. I was a mental health therapist and social worker. I worked in the field, in the community, working with families and individuals, and we were very successful in increasing well-being. So I started a coaching practice, and I also started a local happiness coalition where professionals in the community would speak, and we had monthly meetings for 12 months. And they would tell their stories of happiness and how they maintained a happy life through all of the obstacles and barriers and life happenings. So some had been divorced, others had cancer, uh, immense kinds of grief and loss. And how do we keep happiness? And so this progressed. Um, I had done this almost a year, and I got an invitation to attend a fellowship by Ginger Hardage, and she had retired from Southwest Airlines. Uh, this is an airline that is known for good company culture, and actually their model is happy employees leads to happy customers, and this leads to happy investors, and they've been very successful with this. So she was VP of communications, and she started a fellowship uh, with executives who had also retired uh, from other successful companies with healthy culture. So she invited me and uh, I did go for training in November of 2019. Uh, this was executive coaching. And I also during this time was working on a leadership and management certification through our top business school here in the US, Wharton. So Wharton Executive Education offers this certificate. I was taking four core classes. Uh, one of the classes with Peter Capelli and Michael Yusim, um, they talked about culture. They were talking about human behavior. On the same campus as Martin Seligman from Positive Psychology, he has done research worldwide. They were integrating his research into business management concepts. 
They said many professionals know how to talk strategy, know how to talk change management, uh, know how to talk finance. Just think of your field, that you can talk about your field. You know that hard skill. And they said few people can talk about culture. So we went on to learn about human behavior and how that impacts leadership and management. Well, this has been my 25 plus years experience in the mental health world, understanding human behavior, understanding components of culture. And that's what we're here to talk about today because I said, wow, I can take this into businesses. And that shifted my vision. It really developed my vision for the Happiness Coalition. Um, and everything became virtual with the shutdown in March 2020 of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. And I expanded my services. I began creating classes. Uh, I began coaching online. And that gave me opportunities internationally uh, to train as well as coach individuals. So when we think of culture, you know, what comes to your mind? Uh, we think of our community, the stories, our language, our traditions and rituals. We have traditions and rituals in our families. Just think of holidays, uh, our techniques and skills, the tools and objects that we use, the arts, food and drink, what we value. So we're gonna integrate this culture will into our daily work-life integration. And the reason I'm saying that, have you noticed that you can't really separate work and life anymore? It's integrated now. Many of us are working virtually from home. You know, others are in the place of work. So if you're a healthcare professional, of course, you are in the front line. In a grocery store, uh, if you're a manager, you are in the front line. Uh, so others are continued to be in home. I'm in the state of Tennessee in the US uh, and we're still shut down in parts of the world. And yet in Tennessee, everything's open. We're required to wear masks. How long will this go on? Uh, this is going on almost a year now at the time of this recording. And what are the changes that are going to continue to happen? We thought the COVID-19 pandemic at first was going to be a few weeks. Then it went to a month. Then we were hearing summer and we were thinking it's going to go that long. Now we're a year into it. Um, and what I'm here to say is life is unpredictable. Life is full of change. And according to the top management school, we drive our strategy with whatever we're doing and work in life with culture. So this is the structure of our course today, uh, our why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, we're talking about the cost that it's costing us uh, if we neglect this. What are some burnout statistics? What's a prevention strategy? How do we address toxic work environments? We're gonna define what are the components of culture. Um, and then we're gonna give a guide, a change management guide that is driven with culture.
Okay, so this is our why. Why are we talking? Why is this important? According to Gallup's book, It's the Manager, it's estimated that the United States is losing at least $960 billion and perhaps as much as $1.2 trillion per year due to low levels of engagement. Okay, so my statistics are prior to the pandemic. We're still working on getting statistics that are up to date. Um, and so this is huge loss in our country. Gallup recently surveyed more than 7,500 full-time employees about burnout. 23% of those workers said they felt burned out more often than not. An additional 44% reported feeling burned out sometimes. To put that into context, nearly two-thirds of full-time workers are dealing with burnout at some point while at work. So take a moment right now and jot down, you know, how often do you think uh, how stressed you are, how overwhelming things seem. You know, there was a time where I was jet setting around the world, traveling a lot. It was the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I took several international trips. I was um, traveling for work and conferences. I was working on writing uh, several books. And even locally, I would drive 30 to 45 minutes with me to meet with other professionals. I, I was doing all that. I had a lot of energy. Now, with a year into the pandemic, working from home, it's like, oh, I have a webinar where I'm basically going to be sitting there learning. Oh, I have to sign in and log in. Where's that link? And it just takes so much energy. Um, and I know there is a phenomenon of Zoom fatigue that's causing burnout because we're staring at the screens and we may be online and we weren't before and it's a new world and we have to adjust. And how do we find um, uh, integration with that to be able to practice self-care that's part of culture because we already had a burnout epidemic happening before the pandemic of COVID-19 and what has happened since. So, you know, be honest with yourself and have compassion where you are at with burnout. A three-year study of 14,337 middle-aged men found a supportive work environment helped reduce coronary heart disease. So definitely there is an effect on our heart health. The importance of work support was corroborated in a study of 1,786 lower ranking enlisted army soldiers where support helped decrease psychological strain from job demands. A study of 472 Air Force personnel illustrated high levels of work stress in 26% of the respondents with 15% claiming work-related emotional distress and 8% noting work stress negatively affected their emotional health. Finally, in a sample of 25,559 male and female German workers, the combined effects of exposure to work stress and downsizing contributed to more symptoms than earlier experienced alone. Okay, so how do we define a toxic work environment? Uh, we talk about a toxic boss because they are leading and leadership plays a key role in culture. Having said that, everybody is responsible for culture. However, there's a power dynamic from our leaders. So this could be 
described as a charming personality that thrives in front of crowds but feels off in one-on-one -on -one settings. They resist introspection. People are walking on eggshells around them and they're spending a lot of their times on power games. So politics, gossip, pitting people against each other. And uh, in those meetings where they're being charming, they are portraying themselves as loving and kind. They may meditate, they talk about your self-care, and yet there's this uh, climate that they have created. So collaborative leadership is what we're talking about. Many of us, you know, I'm Generation X, so many of us um, in my generation grew up with top-down approach, and we still have that, and we do need leaders who make decisions and make timely decisions, and we do look to leadership to be strong in those areas for us to follow. We also are learning about leadership that is very effective for morale and it's a great culture strategy to be collaborative where everybody's taking equal responsibility, therefore everyone has an equal say. How do we build this kind of culture? Because this especially is something that our younger generations are looking at. And so, and that's another course where we talk about the generations and motivation. And I do want to say that collaborative leadership uh, is something where we definitely want to build. During a visit to the NASA Space Center in 1962, President John F. Kennedy noticed a janitor carrying a broom. He interrupted his tour, walked over to the man and said, hi, I'm Jack Kennedy, what are you doing? Well, Mr. President, the janitor responded, I'm helping put a man on the moon. This is collaborative leadership. From the President of the United States, some arguably would say the most powerful position in the world. And he had a very collaborative conversation. And this janitor was experiencing such healthy culture at NASA where he had the confidence to say to the most powerful person in the world at that time, I'm equal to those astronauts. I'm equal to those engineers. I'm equal to the computer scientist. Wow. How do we get there? Culture. We are used to talking about culture with our cognitions, okay? Those are the thoughts. And we're beginning to research emotions. And so we are going to talk about that research. Cognitive, the beliefs from deep assumptions, it sets the tone for how employees think. An emotional degree of appropriateness of expression. Do we express our emotions or do we feel like we have to suppress them? And to what level can we express our emotions or do we feel that suppression? Also with the beliefs, our cognitions, can we express what we think freely or are we afraid? You know, when you first walk into a work environment, you easily pick that up. So we're going to look at the shine model that shows this very clearly. So when I say culture, I want you to think of the two components, um, our beliefs 
and our emotions and how freely can we express or suppress them? Okay, so the shine model, there are artifacts that are observed. So you, when you walk into any place, so a government building, a community place of worship, uh, even a park, a place of work, uh, when someone looks at your Zoom background, you know, what's in the background? That is saying a lot about the culture. So what is viewed, what is heard, and what is felt? How is the person dressed? What is our code for dressing? What are the facilities and furniture like? How is staff behaving? And the mission and the values, they point to the right thing to do. Whether it's being followed or not, that is what we are viewing, hearing, and feeling. Okay, so what about the virtual office? Bottle Rocket, this was at the beginning of the pandemic shutdown, and they said work from anywhere. I recently listened to a Harvard Business Review webinar, and the professor out of Harvard stated um, he was doing research on the virtual office work from anywhere prior to the pandemic shutdown. He had followed um, professionals who approved patents, so patent workers out of Washington, D.C., and they were allowed to work from anywhere, so they moved where they wanted to live. And he found that their engagement and productivity benefited. Um, and he's proposing that this be a benefit long-term for organizations to roll out. So it's a work perk. You can work from anywhere. Now there's some logistics and people had questions and he finally said, okay, you're working from anywhere and you use the office buildings that you currently have for meetings, you could have them several times a year. And he proposed at the expense of the employee to fly in and to be present and that it would be mandatory. So that was interesting. I'm just letting you know what I heard. So whether it's work from anywhere, whether we go back to offices, whether it's hybrid, okay, we have values. So think about this. When you have emails, how quickly do you have to respond to that email? I am on, I'm on two boards. Uh, and so one is new for me and I'm in charge of training and development. And the other one, I've been on the board for a solid year. It's my second year, I'm president elect. I'm much more comfortable with our flow. I understand the culture. And I'm also in a position where I'm influencing culture because I'm part of a leadership um, team. So when things are happening behind the scenes, it's the president, it's me, the president-elect. Um, and then we have a member who She's excellent at bylaws. She's the parliamentarian. That's her profession, and we're very blessed to have her on the board. And so behind the scenes, there are sometimes decisions that we will just make uh, that doesn't need board approval, and it's um, in the moment. And so I am part of creating culture right there and influencing it in a positive way. 
well, then I'm part of this newer board and I'm getting used to them. And I was a member of the organization and now I've hopped on the board and I noticed that the president immediately responds to every email. I don't think there's been a lag one time. Now in the women's group where I president elect, we're much more laxed with that. Basically within 24 hours is respectable. Sometimes it takes longer. So I like to stick to a 24 hour rule personally, but I've noticed our presidents last year and this year, they take longer. So people are gonna follow what precedent you set. So if you're answering emails three in the morning, your staff may feel pressured to do that. I know when I've seen that, I've wondered, okay, is my boss practicing self-care? Um, and this right here is underneath the iceberg. It's not necessarily that uh, the person is saying, I answer emails automatically because I'm constantly on my email and that's what I expect from you. It's not spoken. However, I'm sitting here thinking, that's what she's doing, and she's probably expecting that from me, so I better be on it. Now, I don't like to be constantly on email. I like to check my emails uh, maybe in the morning and then more towards the evening, and that just helps me with my work-life integration. The same with certain apps like Slack. I have several um, groups. We're working on projects. These are my passion projects. Um, and one is World Happiness Fest, where I have two virtual events yearly, one in November and one in March. And so I really will check that probably in the evenings, um, the different groups and the different apps. And I have all those notifications turned off. The only notification I have turned on is the um, text. And so it's very limited who has my phone number and who texts me. And so that is all, it's unspoken. Are you allowed to work the way I just described to you or is there pressure to be on text and get notifications and answer all those apps throughout the day? Mindset of each individual in the workplace influences the organizational culture um, and this is our attitude as well. And can we go to those in leadership and express, you know, I'd like some flexibility with how I'm managing. And I'd like to see if we could get others to have conversations around this. And I don't wanna undermine your leadership. So that's why I'm coming to you first before I ask if there's buy-in, um, cause it's really stressing me out to have to be on constantly. our series on organizational culture. Stay tuned for future episodes as we will continue talking about this much sought out topic. Hello, my name is Alexia Georgiou. I'm a life coach, author, speaker, and university non-credit instructor. Please visit my website, theresilientpathway.com 
We have resources, live coaching curriculum, books, online classes. I'm also available for team building on Zoom and in person and speaking engagements, virtual, hybrid, in person. You can reach me at alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com.